just that you have to latch on to the vision because you got a different pastor. If you're looking to be comfortable, this may not be the place for you. See, if you want to go somewhere in your walk, this could be the, the, the a good place for you. See, because usually being saved is not enough. Our faith has to be challenged. See, if you have a pastor who's not challenging you in your thinking, you don't have the right pastor. He don't care about your soul. But a pastor that cares about you, he's going to challenge you. You see what I'm saying? So uh, get ready for the ride because it's a blessing when you get to the destination. See, if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to know when you get there? See, and sometimes God sends us people. See, let's say it this way. Let's say it like this. When the enemy gets ready to destroy your life, he'll send a person in your life. When God gets ready to bless your life, he'll send a person in your life. And so God has sent you someone to be a blessing to you, not to lord over you, but to be a helper of your faith, to take you where God desires to take you and I in this walk. Amen. So I know that God will work it out. Do you believe God will work it out? The battle's not yours, but it's the Lord's. Let me tell you, people. Let me tell you now. Let me tell you, people, that Jesus is working out. It's gonna be alright. It'll be alright. It'll be
I can worship by myself. See, I love the worship because worship 
See, oh, I'll see what we're going to talk about today. Stuff changes by the moment when you're following God. <laughs> but see, worship. See, music is made to worship God and edify the believer. Let me say that again. Music is made to worship God and edify the believer. So when God blesses us with music that is focused on his son, the desire is that God wants us to praise him and to worship him. I'm not talking about praise and worship this morning, but I just want to make the point that the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. But he's given you grace to worship. See, it's not working it up yourself. See, but see, when y'all hear this worship go forth, I'm not just talking about me, but I'm talking about anybody who's worshiping. You don't just sit down on that because it's God speaking, saying, I want your worship. I'm looking for a place to dwell. I'm looking for a place to dwell. It's not so much our work and what we do regarding reaching the streets. In other words, let's say it this way. When people come into our front door, they should experience the presence of God. Why? Because God has found a place where his presence can dwell. See, we can't look at the number of people and we can't look at how the place looks, but we got to look at what is the spirit of God saying to us when we walk into these doors. See, some of you waiting for a word to be blessed and God said, I tried to bless you through your worship, but you didn't want to worship because your heart is hard and your conscience is seared because you've been in sin or doing something you ain't supposed to. But the Bible says, if our conscience condemns us, God is greater than our conscience. So when you begin to worship God, you got to enter in by faith. See, it's, it's two times you worship God, when you feel like it and when you don't. That's it. That's why he said, let us continually offer up the sacrifice, the sacrifice of praise, the sacrifice of praise. I didn't mean to teach on music, man, but Hallelujah. I was going to talk about something else, but I sense God wants to change your focus by just this minute of exhortation. I don't want to say this. It's like what I'm feeling is stop looking for a man to give you something and start exhorting your faith towards the one who can truly answer and quench your thought, your soul. You see what I'm saying? See, God said he would give us pastors and leaders and teachers and all that kind of stuff after his own heart. Actually, it says shepherds or pastors after his heart. However, the job of that shepherd pastor is to lead you right back to the father. That's why he says go into all the world and make disciples of me. See, disciples shouldn't look like me. They should look like him. See, because the, the, the important, see, you talk about going to the street. The importance of worship is that we, what we behold, we become. What we behold, we become. When we go to the streets, as they get closer to us, the people, the policemen, the people on the streets, they should begin to see something different 
Uh-oh. Because we're beginning to look like that which we are beholding of. Making sense to you? That's why you can't spend the majority of your time in front of BET, MTV, and Facebook. Because you start becoming like that which you're feeding yourself. Okay, I didn't, sorry. So, Hallelujah. I know I'm going somewhere. I'm I'm on earth. I'm on church. I don't have those. I probably need the ethics class. <laughs> um, we're gonna read some stuff from the Bible. I do got a couple points I want to make from the Bible, so you know I'm not a false prophet and all that kind of stuff. But um, I just felt in my spirit to encourage the body of believers regarding our worship and our focus when we come in here. I know what our focus is out there, but when we come in here, what I'm trying to get to you is that God is trying to bless us. See, we think of God trying to bless us by saying, you know, where's my new job coming from? Who's my spouse going to be? What kind of money I'm going to get? Uh, where is my ministry going to start? What's the next level for me and my children? We, 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 we're, we're looking at the wrong things. Yes, God will bless us, absolutely. I believe in God blessing his believers material, materially 100%. However, when we come in here, God is trying to bless us with his presence. God is trying to deposit something within our soul, not so much from the person. That's what I really want to say. It's not so much about me or the person. You see what I'm saying? It's about worshiping him, a heart fixed towards building and lifting up him in the spirit so that when we leave, there's a tangible presence that uh, is resting on our lives, not because we came to church, but because when we came to church, we had an encounter with the reason that we come to church. Making sense to you? Okay, let me get the word for y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Okay, um, I'm a, you got your Bibles with you? Okay, well, I'm going to talk about a couple little things there. It may all tie in, but uh, book of Hebrews, that's in the New Testament. That's all I can tell you. Book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews, chapter 4. Chapter 4, book of Hebrews, chapter 4, book of Hebrews, chapter 4, book of Hebrews, chapter 4. So tonight, many of you are coming back, right? When you bring someone with you or you know someone that is coming that normally doesn't come, when you come, that, let's say it this way, that visitor, that guest, or that unbeliever needs to see you worshiping. I understand you want to hear good music, and we have a good time. I believe God allows us to have a good time. But remember, when Jesus sent his son to die on the cross, he didn't die so that you and I could have a good time. He died so that he could reach those who are without hope, those who are going to a burning hell. So when we invite people and we have events like this, like I said, there's nothing wrong with us having a good time, but we should come to worship God. 
we should come and worship God. And I guarantee you, because of his word, God is going to show up. Why is that important? Because we invite people who are either sinners, who's fallen back, who may not know the Lord. And it's not the preaching or the singing that convicts the heart, but it's the Holy Spirit that convicts the heart. The Bible says no man can know that Jesus is Lord, but by the spirit of God. What spirit? The Holy Spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit work through or work on? Uh, the, 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 he works on this word. In other words, there has to be some word. And so when we come together to worship and God finds a people who uh, are willing to set themselves aside for a few minutes, then his presence shows up. Then that unbeliever begins to feel something happening on the inside because God has a place. Now, well, yeah, because God has a place. Because remember, if a person gets saved, it's by the Holy Spirit. Generally, what has happened is when a person gets here, God is ready to give the increase. In other words, the Bible says one plant, one waters, but God gives the increase. God has already been planting and watering some hearts. Tonight should be an increase for somebody. Amen. So anyway, back to Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, let's read a few things. I'm going to share a couple things, uh, and then we'll, you know, go home and eat chicken or something. Okay, I'm going I'm to I'm read it. Uh, it's, a quite a, not, it's just a few scriptures, but I want to read through it because the scriptures really preach for me, but then I'll come back and tell you what it's already saying. So, verse 1, let us, therefore, fear, lest the promise being left of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Verse 2, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto uh, them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith to them who heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he says, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter in my rest, uh, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. world. Verse 4. For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his work. Verse 5, and in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Verse 7, and again, he limited a certain day, saying in David today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. For if Jesus had given them rest, he, then would he not afterwards have spoken another day? Verse 9, there remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he who is entered into his rest, he is also ceased from his own works as God did from his verse 11 let us therefore enter into his rest lest any man shall fall after the same example of unbelief let me pray father in jesus name we thank you for the power that's in your word the grace the wisdom the love the peace that's in your word and this morning we by faith receive what you want to say what you want to do we know your word will not return void I'm asking, Lord, to touch, to bless, to encourage, to minister to the hearts of your people. And we give you all in Holy Spirit, 
do it how you want to do it. We say yes to it. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk from, uh, for a minute from the standpoint of laboring to enter into his rest. Now, let me say it this way. Many of us here that are is born again this morning, to a certain degree, we have entered into the rest of God simply because someone shared or preached the gospel of Jesus Christ with us, and we believed that gospel. We didn't know anything. Uh, we were walking to the ways or the course of this world, and someone shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with us, and by believing in what Christ had done on the cross, we, we entered into the rest of God. Now, that was an amazing transaction because by simply believing in what Christ had done for you and I, we, we now begin to walk in the newness of life. We begin to walk a different path, a different course uh, by just simple or this wonderful work that Christ had done, but by our simple faith. And what he had done, our course had just been made uh, in a new direction. Now, we, we, we're talking to people that we couldn't talk to before because we had entered into this rest. Now you can have a black guy and a Hispanic guy fellowshipping together simply because we entered into this rest of what Jesus done for us across. Now you can have a lowrider without a lowrider marry a drunk come together in the name of Jesus because of us entering into this rest. You see, so it's an awesome thing that we found by entering into this rest. And most of us, you know, we got saved. We were on, we were excited, you know, that first six, seven, eight months. I mean, it was just like we were just like, you know, on a new wine per se. We were just high for Jesus, if I can use that terminology. We were excited. Uh, we found the freedom in Christ. You know, we were, we were so bound before because we walked to the course of this world and the enemy had us bound when Jesus freed us up. I mean, we were walking in the freedom of Christ. We experienced the liberty that we could never uh, experience. Some of us came out the street, stopped sleeping around. We got married, had children. Some of us stopped sleeping around, became single and celibate and committed our heart and our life unto Jesus Christ. Um, and so now our course has changed simply because we've entered into this rest of Jesus Christ by what he done on the cross. Now, that's an amazing thing. Sounds very simple, and actually it is very simple, but we, 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 so we get in here, we get excited, we get on fire, and we, 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 we entered into Christ, and we entered into his rest. And now the Bible even makes a statement. It says, now we're seated in heavenly places. I mean, like, that's amazing. So by me believing in what Christ has done, I'm now seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Why did that happen? Because I put my faith in what he had done. And I entered into what he had provided, and he gave my soul rest. You ever heard a person come to the altar or come into the church, and they say, I'm tired. I'm, I'm just tired. 
Well, they're tired of running on the inside. They're tired of fighting sin on the inside, and sin is whooping that tail. That's why if any man thinks that he can whoop sin, he's deceived. Sin is more powerful than we want to admit to. Sin has a grip to it. Sin has a power to it that can only be broken through Jesus Christ. But by entering into this rest, the person comes to that altar and he says, man, I'm tired. So they, they believe. They say, yes, Lord, I accept you. Man, whoo, ah, I'm resting. I found the Prince of Peace. I found, you ever heard a person say that I got true peace now? They found the Prince of Peace. Why? Because they entered into his rest. And again, like I said, we come together, different backgrounds. And then the Bible says in Ephesians 6, he said he has made us to sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's an amazing place. So what we begin to see is that we believe and it's like we had a seat. We, we had a seat. And all this stuff was happening for us. The, the addiction was breaking off of our life. Uh, old relationships was leaving our life. We could walk away from people that, that had a grip on us simply because we had a seat in what Christ had done for us, what Christ has done, so we resting. Now, what's interesting is the Bible goes and says, therefore, let us labor to enter into this rest. Now, that's an interesting word because most of the time when we hear that word, we think the way it's written as if there's something that we need to do. So what we start doing is we start trying to perform to enter into this rest. And there goes the problem. So on side A of the deal, meaning we come in off the streets, we come from where we come, and we enter in by faith into this rest, and we have a seat, and we thank God that we're sitting. Then we get up out the seat and start trying to live for God <coughs> through our own performance and our own works. And so what happens is our, that after that sixth, that seventh month, eighth month, maybe that year of walking with uh, walking with Christ, we get up from that seat and we start trying to live for God by our performance and by what we do. And unfortunately, this is the condition of the modern church is we're trying to live for God through our own efforts and our own performance. I'm not talking salvation. Most of us would agree with that process. But I'm talking about how we live for God. Most of us are after our own works, our own flesh, and our own performance. Now, what's so deceptive about the performance is that it looks good because it's wrapped in Scripture. It's wrapped in churchology or church terminology but it's really, uh, if I can use this word, it's really a curse. And we'll be able to show you that in the scriptures in a minute. But it's really a curse because you're trying to live for God through the works of the flesh. Now, what's interesting is that when Jesus, the Bible says that the priest, they were offering up sacrifices continuous, continuously standing in the holies of holies, they were offering up continuously because God always demands a sacrifice and he always demands holy holiness. But when Christ came along, the Bible says he offered up one sacrifice, but then it said he had a seat. But the priest over here was standing because he what he was trying to do 
couldn't fulfill what he needed. So in other words, what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to lay a foundation theologically that the priest was offering sacrifices standing, which typifies the law. In other words, under the law, all they could do was offer the sacrifice, but in offering the sacrifice, it never dealt with the condition of the heart. Jesus comes along, he offers one sacrifice, and he has a seat. Why? Because it's finished. Redemption is finished. Then he, gets, then he, he, he continues to sit. Then he says to you, come enter into my rest. Then he tells you to have a seat in heavenly places. Well, then when you go in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that God created the world in six days, but on the seventh day, he, he rested. How did he re let us labor to enter into his Right. God even rested on the seventh day. Now, when Jesus began to feed the 5,000, and what was the first thing he told them to do? Have a sit. Have a seat. So it typifies grace. But most of us are operating under the curse, which is the law. We're standing trying to live for God. When God is saying, I've already provided a way for you to have rest and have a seat. But, but the problem is in the modern church is that it's so wrapped up in what we would call uh, spiritual terminology, um, spiritual exercises. Uh, well, let's just take a few, for example. Well, you got them now saying, you know, if you put on the prayer shawl, they got to hear your prayers a little bit better and you can get your prayers in heaven a little quicker and all that kind of stuff. That's law and it's offensive to God and it's a curse. And the truth is, according to Romans 7, is spiritual adultery because once you come into Christ, you're married to another. He said, can you take Christ and join it to a harlot? No, God forbid. So what's happening, then you got another one saying, well, the, the, the way to victory is we're going to fast 21 days. So when you do this fasting principle, this fast, then you're going to hit victory. Your life is going to take off. Boom, 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 boom. That's a lie because they're bringing you back up under performance in order to get Christ to bless you. If you remember what we read, he said it's already, he's already done this thing once and for all. It's a finished deal. So anytime anybody tells you you need to do something to get, they're already on the wrong foundation. It's not the gospel because the gospel said it's already done. All you got to do is enter in through faith, not through what you do. So when he says labor to enter into my rest, the labor ain't your work. The labor is your faith. See, I can tell you, you think that living by law, some people say, well, living for God is hard and this and this and this. I dare you to live by faith. Living by faith is much tougher to live by law because when your faith is in what Jesus Christ done at the cross and exclusively, I mean exclusively, that's where the enemy is going to attack you. Why? Because that's where Satan was defeated at the cross. So therefore, the, the all God is requiring of you and I today is to simply believe. Now, the reason that this sounds so um, almost unbelievable or too simple or offensive, number one, the Bible says that there is an offense to the cross. But number two, when I tell you to believe God by faith, not by what you do, you become offended because faith comes against the flesh. Faith, faith comes against your efforts. See, and that's why this motivational gospel is not going to work. Paul said it like this. He said, I'm determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
Jesus Christ, he says for, for uh, actually, uh, I should read it, but basically in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 7, he says, um, matter of fact, let me just turn there so I don't misquote it. Um, he says, for the preaching, he said, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. In other words, what he's saying is anytime you allow the intellectualism to move your faith from the finished work of Christ, what Christ done on the cross will not be effective in your life. Now, let me see if I can make it practical. What, let's say it this way. Some of you are privately struggling with the same sins and the same issues, and you seem like your life is going around in the same circle. Seem like you're just a cat chasing your dog, chasing his tail. You can't really go, and so you figure the way that I'm going to get to the next level, I'm going to do more church work. I'm going to give a little more. I'm going to help the homeless out. I'm going to go out and witness on the street. I'm going to pass out flyers. And God's saying, none of that is acceptable to me because you're trying to use your performance to get something from me. And I'm not going to bless you because you're passing out flyers. I'm not going to bless you because you've given more. I'm not going to bless you because you come into church more. Why? Because that's law. And God cannot honor law. Why? Because the Bible says that Christ fulfilled the law. In Matthew 5, 17, it said Christ did not come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill the life, the law. So therefore, the, here's the secret. If I want to keep the law, I put my faith in the one who kept the law. I don't try to keep the law because I can't keep the law. He said, if you try to keep the law, you're going to have to keep the whole thing. You're going to have to see, I'm, te I'm teaching Bible today. I'm, I didn't come to give you a whole bunch of, you're going to get your breakthrough and your blessing and your house and your cars. That ain't my ministry. I've come to tell you about one person, Jesus Christ and him crucified. But he's saying, if you try to keep the law, then you got to keep the whole law. See, if you, you, you know what I mean? And see, and what has happened in the church is we become self-righteousness because we say, well, wait a minute. You didn't show up for the leaders meeting. And I showed up for all of them. Now, now I'm going to, this is me talking, but this is how they treat you. I'm going to treat you a little funny because I don't feel you deserve my love because you didn't come to all the meetings. See, that's self-righteousness. You see what I'm saying? Now, am I saying that a leader or if you got that response, you shouldn't show up? Yes, you should show up. But I ain't talking about our performance. I'm trying to get us to look at where is our faith. And see, we're looking at people when we should be looking at Christ. You see what I mean? Well, you didn't show up at musician's rehearsal like you were supposed to. Okay, well, then say you was wrong, say you was late, say you had something else, and let's be deal with it and be through with it. But when I start treating you as if I'm better, because, and that's what happened with the prodigal son. He, he went out and done all this doo-doo, lost his inheritance, got high, and blah, 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 blah. Then he finally came to the end of himself. He came back home, and then the elder son, or let me say this, those of us who was in the church, we got all proud and self-righteous and saying, well, why he getting blessed, Lord? Why are you treating him so fast? And God's saying, listen, man, it's been yours the whole time, but you've been so focused on yourself, you ain't been able to appropriate what I want to do in your life. 
life because you self-righteousness. See, you think it's in what you do. See, he was looking at his brother, the prodigal son, through performance. He, he was saying, listen, the prodigal son ain't performed like I think he should perform. God, why are you blessing him? God says, I'm blessing him because the prodigal son realized that the key wasn't his performance, but it was his faith back in my father's house or back in my son. So once the prodigal got his faith right, God could bless. And so God is saying to us, we need to get our faith right. Our faith has been in our performance. See, let me explain it like this. There's nothing wrong with passing out flyers. We should do that. There's nothing wrong with reaching the lost. We should do that. That's the great commission. There's nothing wrong with uh, giving your money to a ministry that's reaching the lost. We should do that. Nothing wrong with that. However, when we do those things and we think God owes us something, that's pride. When we do those things and think God owes us something, that's spiritual adultery. Because you're trying to be married to what your performance is and then say, God, bless me. In other words, it's like this. It's like you being married, cheating on your wife, and then come back home and say, now bless me. See, that's what it's like to God. You said that's strong, but that's what the Paul said it. I didn't say it. He said you're an adulteress. He used very strong terms. Why? Because we don't put the sacrifice of Christ in his right place. See, what Christ done for you and I at the cross is all that we need for whatever we need. Everything we receive comes through Christ and what he did at the cross. Let me say it like this. Let me say it like this. If you want to get to Christ, you got to go through the cross. If you want to go get to the Father, you got to go through Christ. There's no other way to the Father but through his Son. But if you want to get to the cross, you have to deny yourself. See, if any man come after me, let him first deny his and take up his so you got to go through the cross to get to Christ. But you're trying to get to Christ by earning it, by your performance. And that's what I'm saying when I went to Hebrews. You're standing in your Christianity when you need to be having a seat in your Christianity. When you need to be in rest in, in Jesus Christ, you're standing working. And that's why you get burnt out. Well, I ain't going to pass out no flyers no more. I got an attitude. Well, I can't follow the pastor where he's trying to go because it's too different than what I like to do because you're looking after the flesh. And when I say after the flesh, oh, my God, let me go. Let me go. When I say after the flesh, I'm not talking as we think of flesh. We think of flesh as somebody sinning, somebody's nasty attitude, and we think of flesh in that context. When I say flesh, when he says, let's say it scripturally first. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When he says flesh, he's talking about your ability, your intellect, your education, your talent, what you know. He's saying don't walk after what you know, what your ability is, what your talent is, but walk after what the Holy Spirit is, and the Holy Spirit only works through grace, not through law. And see, as long as you're in performance and walking in the flesh, then law, all it's going to do is demand. It's going to be, see, that's what makes it hard for you to follow where your pastor want to go because you're seeing it after the flesh. And therefore, because you're seeing it at the flesh, you're walking after law. 
The problem is walking after law, it just takes. Law demands. Law says you drove past the speed limit, you got to pay. I don't care if your shoe fell off. You got to pay. That's what law do. But when you walk after the spirit, the spirit only works by grace. But grace supplies. Grace says I don't have to do it. Jesus is going to do it for me. I, and therefore, I can rest because I'm not doing it. See, I can rest because I'm not doing it. Therefore, when you come with a different vision, when I say different vision, meaning different than what I think, different than what I think, the only requirement in that context is as long as the vision or the direction is not against the word. That's the only requirement. In other words, if it's against the word, then okay, I can put my brakes on and say I can't follow that. That's not in the word. I, I can respect that. But if what I'm saying is according to the word of God, led of the spirit, when I say led of the spirit, let me say it this way, meaning that the Holy Spirit can endorse it because it's based on the word of God, then the only way to fulfill what the vision is, is through grace, through the spirit, because it was the Holy Spirit that gave the vision. Therefore, if you in yourself, in your flesh, in your own education, ability, talent, you won't follow that vision because it won't make sense to you because you can't mix grace and law. They're always going to clash because what's going to make you mad is you're going to see pastor over here uh, sitting said, well, how come he ain't doing this? Because he's resting in the Holy Spirit while you over here trying to perform and saying, well, how come they ain't fasting like me? How come they ain't coming to all the things like me? How come they ain't doing what I'm doing? And so, therefore, it produces a self-righteous individual. But the truth is, you under a curse because you're not, not cursed in the sense that you ain't saved. You saved. But I'm saying that the Bible says that with the law comes a curse. Why is there a curse? Because the law always tells you what to do but never gives you the power to do it. All it do is take from you. But grace says, look, not only... Do I want you to see when you get this, this is I'm telling you, this is a powerful principle living your life by grace, which we do from the position of rest. Then you will stop choosing your spouses after the flesh. You will stop trying to do your ministry after the flesh. You will try, stop even your marriage after the flesh. See, even the Lord dealt with me about that, that he said. I will give you grace to love your wife. I will give you grace to do it because you're trying to do it by law. Now, this is what tricked me. This is why I say law is deceptive because it's wrapped in spiritual terminology. Let me explain this. Now, some of this may offend you, but I need to say it. I was trying to love her by the five love languages. Some of you may have heard of that book. But when God starts showing me grace, he says, what you're reading sounds good, but it's rooted in law. Because you can't carry out the five love languages without self-effort. He says, but the answer for your marriage is in the cross. I said, what, what are you talking about? Nobody preaches marriage answers is in the cross. That don't even make sense. What he's saying, saying is, through what Christ did on the cross, by him supplying grace to your life, not just forgiving grace, we understand that, but I'm talking about grace as, it, as I'm talking about how grace functions, 
in how we live for God. That grace and oh, and which which is done through the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit works by my faith exclusively in the cross. So therefore, when my faith is right, now the Holy Spirit can come and say, this is how you love her today. This is what you do today. Now it's effortless. Now I'm not trying to get psychology and Dr. Phil and Oprah to figure out how to love this. You know, that garbage men's are from Mars and women are from Venus. I mean, you know, I understand that concept. Yes, we are different. But what I'm trying to say is in this kingdom, God has given us the answer. See, they may have some good information, but it's not rooted in the cross. You see what I mean? And this is what makes the offense of the cross because now the cross becomes a revelation to me. Now I start throwing out books that I thought was great by people on TV, you know, people who are popular. Why? Because their books are not rooted in the cross. You say, well, give me scripture for that. The Bible says there's no foundation that can be laid than that which is Jesus Christ. If anybody builds any doctrine, any philosophy, any, any method that is not built on the cross, I will boldly tell you it's not from God. Why? Because God is not going to build different. He's not going to do it different. He's not going to do it different. Even when we talked a year ago and you would tell me about a play, and I said, keep Jesus at the center of your play. And you were saying, I got the only play, not the only play, but one of the plays that you know what I'm talking about. Why? Because Jesus, if, if, if the play, if the music, whatever it may be, is not built on cross, then it's after the flesh. That's a strong truth. Sounds simple. But when you hear this, you'll begin to go back home and see there are things we have led in our life that is wrapped up in spiritual terms that is built after the flesh and not after the spirit. You see what I mean? Even though it has church, and that's what happened to Paul, and I'm almost through. That's what happened to Paul when he said in Romans chapter 7, he was saying that I was trying to live for God, but the thing that was good deceived me. In other words, he was trying to live, live for God through law, and he says... Is the law bad? He said, no, God forbid. The law of God is correct because God gave it. But the law was never designed for you to live after or to fulfill. The law was only put to show you how much you need Christ, to send you to Christ. That's why the Bible says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So anytime we're trying to live by law, we're going to always, always fall back on our faith, face somewhere. Even though we may come to church dressed up, looking good, privately we either struggling with some sort of sin. And when I say sin, I'm not necessarily, necessarily talking smoking, drinking, and all that. When I say sin, I'm talking about pride, bitterness, anger, self-righteousness, jealousy, pride, envy, strife. I'm talking about all that stuff we can't see. you sitting here dealing with it and you saying, oh, Lord, I know I shouldn't be angry at this person. How do I get it? You don't get rid of anger by going and retrace your childhood and say, well, maybe my mother didn't breastfeed me long enough, so therefore I got these problems in my marriage. No, 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 no. Anger was dealt with at the cross. Forgiveness, unforgiveness was dealt with at the cross. Jealousy was dealt with at the cross. Bitterness, envy, strife was de dealt with at the cross. You say, well, why doesn't it work in my life? Because we don't believe it. It's too simple. We See, we love our law. We want to go get Dr. Phil. I, I, I just got to have my Oprah book because that just makes me feel better. 
So let me tell you why it's a curse and God is so strong when he used the word adultery. Because what you're saying to God is, God, what you done on the cross was not good enough to deal with my small, tiny issue. So Christ and what he done at the cross is the answer for your marriage. Christ and what he done for the cross is, is, is the answer for your finances. Christ and what he done at the cross is the answer to your ministry. See, you don't, if you want to be blessed, you don't have to send off no $100 to some TV evangelist to be blessed. You, the, you already blessed because you have Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the blessing. The blessing of Abraham is not riches. The blessing of Abraham is justification by faith. See, so because we have not understood the gospel, we've been laboring, which therefore opened us up to false doctrine, not even knowing that we were in false doctrine. Why? Because it's wrapped up in scripture. See, I came to talk to you this morning about what we believe. I know we're going to do a work out here. I, under, I understand that. I understand that. But if our faith isn't right, then the people will come in and get saved. And, yes, they get delivered for drugs. But then one year later, they back out there. Or either they in here, they're looking good, but they self-righteous. Why? Because they don't know how to live for God. Why? Because we're telling them everything else is the answer except the cross. Well, why is the cross so offensive even though it's simple? The cross is offensive because it comes against all that we want to do, and it tells us that we have nothing we can offer God. I mean, it trips me out when people say, ooh, boy, you know, it should have been me up on that cross. Well, if you was on that cross, it wasn't nothing you could offer God anyway because you were sinful. That's why it took Jesus Christ. See, that offends people because we want to do something. It's a gift of God. But I'm not just talking your salvation. What I'm talking about today is how we live for God, or let's say it this way, our sanctification. So I'll end it with this. Just as we say there's no other name, or we say it this way, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Most of us would agree with that, that Jesus is the only way. That usually causes an offense with other religions. They'll say, well, there's a hundred ways to God. And we're saying there's one way. That makes them upset. Okay, now go to the other side of the cross, how we live for God. I'm saying there's only one answer. There's not a hundred answers. There's only one. Well, what is that answer? The, the Bible gives it. It says, the same way in which you received him is the same way you should walk in him. When you placed your faith for salvation, you experience the change, you walk into another course, and then somewhere we sin, we fall, we blow it, and then we start thinking we need to do it to make ourselves holy. But I'm saying that's incorrect. The way you become holy is faith and what Christ done, and then the Holy Spirit can produce the fruit in you that you need to have to live for God. Can I say amen? Hallelujah. That's, that's, that's the message. I ain't going to push it no further than that. But I want to know, is there somebody who wants this Jesus Christ, though? I want, I want to know if there's somebody who, it don't make a difference, one person, two person, to make no difference. But you don't have a relationship with Christ. Without this relationship, there is no way you can stand before a holy God. We know that God is 100%.